Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Hockey Sense. I'm Chris Peters. It's episode 101 of the podcast. Thanks for everybody that tuned in to our 100th episode last week, which was wall-to-wall questions from our listeners. And we got a lot of that again today, but it is a very important week on the hockey calendar because it is finally the time where we start to learn what the World Junior Championship is going to look like because a lot of teams are announcing their preliminary camp rosters, and that includes the United States and Canada, which we will spend a lot of time on today. We'll also talk a little bit about Team Sweden's roster because I think that's a very important roster, not just as the tournament hosts, but as a credible threat for the gold medal at this year's event. So we will talk about them as well. And then, as always, answering your questions, and they are all World Junior related today. So if you are getting hyped up for the World Junior Championship, as I am and as I always am, then you are going to really enjoy this episode, and it'll help get you ready for the weeks ahead, which will include camps, it will include cuts from those camps, and then it will include, ultimately, the tournament the day after Christmas. Flow Hockey will be on the ground in Sweden as we cover the World Junior Championship, and we have a ton of coverage for you right now on flowhockey.tv. You can see our assessments of Canada's roster, of USA's roster. I just did an additional piece on Team USA that has a little bit more in-depth on the decisions and the cuts that were made, and then also some analysis of Sweden's roster. As I mentioned, I think that'll be a very important team in this tournament for a variety of reasons that we'll get into later. But I'm really excited. It's an exciting time, and I hope that you guys are excited too, because obviously you got the holiday season going, everybody's in a good mood, and then you you wash it down with the World Juniors. I mean, it, it does not get better than that. So let's get into things a little bit today. Before we do that, I do want to mention, you know, if you haven't yet, as always, subscribe to the podcast, follow us on YouTube, follow us on flowhockey.tv or via the Flow Sports app. You can watch every episode. Very excited to, to continue doing that. Um, also, Read everything you can at flowhockey.tv. We've got a lot of pieces up about the World Juniors, but we're continuing our coverage of the USHL, of college hockey, of the ECHL, of all of our leagues, lots of highlights and different things like that. And last but not least, if you haven't yet, subscribe to Flow Hockey today because we have so many live games, literally thousands per week. Um, it's, it's insane. Got a lot of showcases coming up uh, for the youth hockey teams. We've got, obviously, the GLI uh, for college hockey, which is a great holiday tournament. We've got CCHA, Atlantic Hockey, ECHL, USHL, CJHL, BCHL. I mean, I can give you a ton of different HLs. We got them. And so make sure you subscribe today to Flow Hockey. All right, let's move on to the topics at hand today. And we start today with USA Roster Reaction. The roster came out on Monday. Again, full Roster analysis over at Flow Hockey, player-by-player analysis on Flow Hockey. So make sure you read that, uh, but we will also abridge that for you right here on the podcast. But a couple of notes. We've got a lot of returning players from last year's team, including Rucker McGordy, Cutter Goche, Jimmy Snuggerud, Lane Hudson, Trey Augustine, Seamus Casey, who didn't actually end up playing last year but was on the roster, Gavin Brindley. Um, and then there were two return potential returnees that did not make the camp roster, Charlie Stramel from the University of Wisconsin and Minnesota Wild Prospect, and Andrew Oak, who was the number three goalie who played for the Saginaw Spirit or plays for the Saginaw Spirit. Those players did not make it. But you look at those returning players, and that's really the foundation of this team. You know, Lane Hudson's probably going to be the number one defenseman. Cutter Goche is going to be a big-time scorer for this team, um, likely a top-line player. Um, or at least a second line player, depending on which which order they end up going in for um, you know the top six for Team USA. But I think you'll see Goche get a ton of ice time. You've got your starting goaltender returning in Trey Augustine. However, I do think there could potentially be a goalie competition with him and Jacob Fowler, which we'll talk a little bit about um, in just a few seconds. But you know, I think that as we look at this U.S. roster, there weren't a ton of huge surprises, but there were surprises. I mean, you know, we talked about it on last week's episode. I had gotten the intel that that Stramel was not going to be part of the team. I had gotten some uh, indications that Hunter Brustevich was not going to be part of the team, despite the fact that he's on pace for nearly 100 points or over 100 points in the OHL this year with the Kitchener Rangers. Um, Cole Iserman, top prospect, one of the top prospects for the 2024 NHL draft, also did not make the camp. So those were 
moderate surprises. There were some surprising additions as well. You know, there were a couple of guys that didn't play in the summer camp that made this camp, including Patrick Geary and Aaron, Aaron Manettian, who each played um, uh, college hockey. And then also you had Geary over at Michigan State, uh, Manettian at Boston College. And also he, of course, was part of the national team development program last year, won gold at last year's World Under-18 Championship. So those were, um, you know, if you weren't kind of in the know, a bit surprising um, to see that, uh, to see guys that didn't come out. Um, but largely, I think that a lot of what we saw in the summer camp translated to what this roster looks like now. Um, up front, there were a couple of surprises as well. You know, Quinn Finley and William Whitelaw both play at the University of Wisconsin, where Charlie Stramel plays. They both make it over him. They also make it over Cruz Lucius, who I thought has actually had a really great season and thought had some ability to play. But Quinn Finley, William Whitelaw, where they fit in this roster, really not you know, clear to me at this point, you know, I think that there are options for them. Um, also, there's the potential that McGrory's injury, uh, which we talked about last week, which, you know, we don't have a ton of clarity on what it is. The thing that I've been told is that it's something that, you know, has an uncertain timeline. It's something that he's going to have to kind of work through, and they're going to probably give him every opportunity to work through that. Rucker McGrory will be a very important player. But you get a guy like uh, William Whitelaw, who has some abrasiveness in his game, doesn't have the the, the level that, that McGrordy brings, but I think that he's got something, you know, a little bit of grit, a little bit more tenacity um, that he can bring to the table. So, you know, those guys provide some insurance. If McGrordy's unable to go, I think that really opens up a lot of opportunities for a guy like Isaac Howard to potentially be in the top nine forward group. Um, and, and, you know, those, those are the types of things that kind of happen over the course of a camp. Um, I've been at, at this camp before where things change at kind of the drop of a hat player gets injured. All of a sudden you got to do something different. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things that kind of come into play there. Um, but the thing that the, the, the most surprising ad was a player that just wasn't on my radar at all. And that's Sam Hillebrand, who is going to be the number three goalie for this team plays for the uh, very Colts in the OHL. And he was not a player that, that really was on my radar. He's played 18 games in the OHL over the last two seasons. Um, you know, and I think that kind of speaks to the, the, the fact that this U S goalie, you've got two great goalies at the top. You've got Trey Augustine, Jacob Fowler. Those two are your guys. The third goalie may not matter as much, but you get a guy like Hillebrandt who has another year of eligibility remaining, could potentially be on the team you know, next year. Augustine has another year of eligibility remaining as well. But you know, having players that have extra eligibility, sometimes that helps in that third goalie slot. Um, but you know, Hillebrandt was not in the summer camp. Um, you know, Hampton Slikinski, who I thought was great in the summer camp, is actually going to the World Junior A Challenge, where he's actually probably going to play a lot more. I, I like that decision to, to send him there as opposed to bring him as a third goalie where he's probably not going to play. So those are kind of the other roster decisions that that had some level of intrigue here for Team USA. Um, but just to kind of circle back, I, I have a, a lengthy piece that kind of goes into detail about some of the roster surprises that we talked about. Um, we have some questions about these roster cuts as well. Um, but getting back to, to Brustevich, we talked about it last week, the fact that you had Hudson and Seamus Casey and then Zeev Booyam. You know, let's think Seamus Casey's the top scoring defenseman in college hockey. You know, uh, Lane Hudson is on pace for close to 20 goals this season in college hockey. Uh, was a Hobie top 10 finalist last year. And then Zeev Booyam was just named the co-player of the month for the entire country. Um, after having 14 points in eight games from the back end. So as good as Brustevich has been in the OHL, and he has been good, those are three players that are doing it at a similar level. Hudson and Booyam are left shots. Casey is a right shot. The thing is, is that probably Hudson and Casey and Booyam are all, their playoff, or their, sorry, their power play uh, roles are probably defined. And then now there's no room for Hunter Brustevich. And does that player make sense? as a number six or potentially number seven defenseman, maybe not. And then you want some versatility, especially on a team where you are lacking balance already. You have to figure Ryan Chesley is going to be viewed as a guy that can be a shutdown guy. Drew Fortescue could potentially be a shutdown guy. Patrick Geary, who was a, a surprise invite, a penalty kill guy. That's the other thing. I'm not sure which defensemen are going to kill penalties, but when you have a lot of sub six foot defensemen, as this team does have, you have to find other ways to balance that out. And I think that's ultimately what shoved Brusevich to the side. The one thing that I would say is that I'm a little surprised that it was Aram Manedian 
who had that uh, who who was picked over Brusevich because if you're looking at right shot defensemen specifically, that's a player where I think there's a similar quality, but you know, Medanian has less is a little less proven in terms of you know his ability to produce and things like that. But if he can defend at a high enough level, if he could potentially kill penalties, that changes the dynamic for for his inclusion. They don't have a lot down the right side where you would call him uh, especially defensive. And I think that that's another thing for, for Brustevich. As far as Iserman is concerned, this doesn't change my opinion about him as a draft prospect. I think he's still going to be a top five pick in this upcoming draft. He does have more points than James Higgins, who was selected for Team USA, uh, but and they're teammates right now at the under-18 team, but it's important to remember, Hagens plays center. Uh, team USA has to replace Logan Cooley somehow. Hagens has a similar skill set. He can drive play. He's a very intelligent player. He plays with good pace. You know, I think for Iserman, it, he wasn't going to unseat Cutter Goche. He wasn't going to unseat Gabe Perot. So if you're not going to have him in your top six, where do you have him? Um, you know, the third line, you want to have that line be a little bit more energetic, have a little bit more of a defensive uh, mindset. The fourth line, you want them to have the, your penalty killers, your pace. Um, Team USA is going to have a lot of speed in their lineup. They're going to have guys like Gavin Brindley and Oliver Moore potentially, you know, and 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 the players like Goche, and that will help them in, improve. And then where where does Cole Eiserman fit? Also important to note, Cole Caulfield, who, who has – all the records that Eiserman is chasing right now in terms of single season goals and career goals, at the NTDP, he also did not make team USA as an underager for the same exact reasons. They couldn't find a spot for him in their top six. He didn't really find, there wasn't a fit for him. Um, you know, I, I will say like, I, I thought that Brustevich should have been in camp and I, I possibly would have liked to see if Cole Eiserman could have established a role, especially with Rucker McGordy's health in question. Um, another because McGordy's a very good scorer. He's got a threatening one-timer. Eiserman has a threatening one-timer. You know, those are the types of things that you think about. Um, but in the end, not selected. Not a huge um, surprise to me. But also, at the same time, I think, you know, if you're a draft fan and you're not seeing Cole Eiserman in this tournament, you're disappointed. Uh, but to me, I thought that that was, of the forward cuts, one of the ones that made the most sense to me. Because if you don't have him up in the lineup, it's really hard to find a place for him. All right, so that is a little bit of my my intel on USA. We're going to have more questions about Team USA in the Q&A portion a little bit later in the show, so stick around in case uh, things are are there. And if, if I don't answer a question that you have, always feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or X or how, what have you, at Chris M. Peters, because I will potentially answer it right here on the podcast. All right, let's move on to Canada's roster. Now, Team Canada is... Always going to be one of the favored teams. Uh, I, you know, somebody sent me some of the betting odds and Canada is still favored. At least that was before the roster announcements. As we got Canada's roster announcement, a couple things stuck, stuck out right away. Number one, there was some uncertainty on whether or not Zach Benson would be part of Team Canada's camp. Uh, currently playing with the Buffalo Sabres. As of right now, he's not part of the camp. I don't believe that he will be released. And so that is another player that Canada loses. It's the same story every year. They're going to have players that don't play in the um, uh, that, that don't play in junior anymore, and now they're in the NHL, so you don't have them available. Connor Bedard this year, Zach Benson, Shane Wright, uh, Matthew Poitras, all age eligible players not playing. Tristan Luno, however, is released by the Anaheim Ducks to play in the tournament, um, so they have some of that. This is a team that's not going to have a ton of experience at their hand at, at their disposal. Owen Beck is back on the roster. You know, he was a big part of the team last year. Um, they're not getting Kevin Korchinski back from the Chicago Blackhawks, another player that, you know, they, they have to go forward without that really does impact their blue line. However, when you look at the Canadian roster, there's plenty to plenty to like about it. I mean, this is a team, this is a team that has, you know, 10 first round draft picks on it. They have a really good forward group. But I think if you are looking at this roster, you might be a little bit underwhelmed. They have four undrafted players on it, which is kind of rare for this stage of the camp. And it's not just first-year draft-eligible players, because um, I'm not including Macklin Celebrini in that in that group. But he is also on the roster. Um, you know, And so that is an interesting dynamic, where you have uh, spots that are taken by guys that aren't necessarily high-end NHL draft prospects. 
like you normally would. Uh, but Canada's in a situation where they have a lot of guys that are currently in the NHL and they have to find ways to plug those holes. Nobody's going to feel sorry for them, um, you know, and certainly every team is going to continue to go after them. But I think that if you look at the roster on paper, um, very difficult to say that this Canadian team will be the favorite in this tournament. Um, and I'm sure that that is going to end up on a bulletin board somewhere um, in the Canadian dressing room. And, you know, and that's the kind of the approach that I believe this team is going to have to take. They're going to have to be, you know, us against the world like they usually are anyway. But this time it's actually a little bit more underdog story. Um, so that will be fascinating to watch. But I think one of the things that that I find, um, you know, fascinating about this team is what role will our projected top prospect Macklin Celebrini play in this tournament? As you look down the middle of their lineup, you have guys like Connor Geeky, you have Nate Danielson. Um, is there a case that Max Celebrini should be a top tier center on this team? Maybe he plays the wing. We'll have to find out. But he was dominant at the under 18 World Championship last year, was one of the best scorers in Canadian history at that tournament and as an underager. Um, you know, helped them win the bronze medal. And I think that with, uh, with Macklin Celebrini, that's a player that can still take over games. I think he has a chance to be really special in this tournament and will be a big factor for this Canadian team. Having a guy like that on your roster goes a long way in this tournament. This is the kind of tournament we saw it in other instances where you know, Nico Heischer took over a game once, um, you know, where, where he just basically put his team up on his back and said, I can, I can do this. And they almost beat the U.S. in a, in a quarterfinal one year. Um, you know, we've seen goalies take over games as well, but those forwards and, and, and defensemen that find a way to do it can really give their team a chance. I think that's Macklin Celebrini's, you know, goal. Some of the other guys I'm really excited to watch in this tournament, the guys I think that will be there, Brayden Yeager, um, you know, it's going to be more his show than it's ever been. Uh, he's one of the top, top drafted players on this team. Um, you know, Matt Savoy, who had NHL experience this year, who's played in the AHL. Um, a guy who who missed out on this opportunity last year. Um, that's going to be a, a fascinating to watch. Um, you know, I think other other players here to you know what role do they ultimately play? Denton Matejchuk, you know, a really solid puck moving defenseman, doesn't have a tremendous size relative to the rest of this blue line. Does Canada bring the the two massive defensemen in their camp, Maverick Lamoureux and Noah Warren? Six foot six for Noah Warren, six foot seven for Lamaru. Lamaru being a first round pick of the Arizona Coyotes, and Noah Warren being a second round pick of the Anaheim Ducks. And you say, you know, does this Canadian roster have necessarily the 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 pace, the the ability to to keep up? You got guys like Easton Cowan, who you feel like you probably will have there. Fraser Minton, who got NHL time this year. You know, so this is still a very competitive roster. It might not be as an inspiring a roster, uh, but it is a good roster. And that brings us to the topic that I feel like is every single year in the World Junior Championship. Who's going to be the goalie that leads this team this year? Last year, it was Thomas Millich. Undrafted, ended up getting drafted at the end of the year. This year, it could be a similar story. Uh, Mathis Rousseau is currently the... Uh, is currently the the odds-on favorite, I guess you could say, depending on who you talk to, to be the starter. Undrafted, under six feet, currently playing in the QMJHL. So goaltending, obviously, a critical, critical piece for your team. Canada has two drafted goalies, two undrafted goalies in camp. Scott Ratzlaff from the Seattle Thunderbirds, and then you've got Dominic DeVicentis from the North Bay Battalion, both of them drafted, but both late draft picks. So we're not talking about high-end prospects at the goaltending position. So what do we have for Canada? What will this look like? And if it is Rousseau, is he going to be able to handle what's in front of him? And that's going to be the real story of Canada's tournament. Can they get the goaltending? And if they do, do they have enough up front? Do they have enough at the back end to compete with the likes of Sweden? And the U.S. Because I think that both of those teams, at least on paper to me, are deeper or have, you know, I, I, I'm more comfortable with their goalies as well. So that's the other the other factor. But make no mistake, this is the World Junior Championship. Canada always 
finds a way. They might not win the whole thing, but they are always going to find a way to be competitive. This is a team that I think has enough pieces to do that, but that's going to be fascinating to watch. So I think that that's going to be uh, something that that will will bear uh, more uh, uh, more more focus as we get going because I think Canada is going to be a team that you know while not as formidable as they could be um, is certainly a threat because well they always are so let's see what we got here on the next front because I am so excited to see this team live um, because I think they are going to be fun. And I think that they're going to make some noise in this tournament. So we move on now from Canada to Sweden. And Sweden to me is going to be, you know, they're they're on home ice for one, which is always a motivating factor. They're going to have the crowd behind them. I think Gothenburg is going to get behind this team in a major way. They're going to have a number of players that are really exciting to watch. Um, and I can't wait to see what that looks like in, uh, you know, in the home of Frölunda. Um, and, and that will be really cool. Unfortunately for Sweden, the best player in the age group will not be in this tournament. Leo Carlson currently playing for the Anaheim Ducks. There was some discussion that maybe because of this Ducks load management plan that they have Leo Carlson on, that maybe he might get loaned to the World Juniors, especially since it's in his home country. No dice. Uh, Sweden did announce their full roster on Wednesday morning. And on that roster, 23 players. So that's the group that they're going with. This isn't a preliminary roster. This is their group. Um, And that roster is loaded. It really is. They have seven first-round draft picks on their roster. They've got some great players on the back end. They've got some scoring talent up front. And they have a good goaltender who's undrafted, Hugo Havilid, but he is a gold medal winning under 18 goalie uh, and stole a gold medal right off the necks of Team USA a couple of years ago in one of the greatest individual goaltending performances I had seen um, at the under 18 World Championship. So, so you don't have Carlson, but you've got a lot, a lot else, which I think is really important for this team in particular because you know, when you, this is a team that's going to have to win with depth. They're going to have to have everything kind of clicking the right way. But the players that I think are really going to make the biggest difference for this group is on the blue line. Uh, I think they've got a really talented blue line. Axel Sandin Pelico was basically the number one defenseman last year. He's having a great season in the SHL. He should have a lot of confidence. He's got experience that matters. Tom Willander from Boston University also making the team. He was not in the summer camp. He's on the final roster. He's been awesome at BU this year. Um, Great skater, tremendous defensively. Expect him to get a lot of tough matchups. And then there are the other guys that maybe you don't know as well, like Elias Salomonson, who is a Winnipeg Jets draft prospect, a big defenseman who has added more to his game, who has rounded out his game, plays much more mature, much more confident. That matters an awful lot as well. So, um, very intrigued by that uh, that mix that they're going to have on the blue line that I think is going to really help carry this team. Up front, they're going to have an absolute wagon, though. I mean, you've got Jonathan LaCaramaki, who's having a tremendous season um, in the SHL. You've got Liam Ogren. You've got Noah Oslin. You've got um, uh, Otto Stenberg, Philip Bistet. I mean, we're just naming the first rounders, but I also like the depth that they're bringing guys like Zeb Forsfjall, guys like uh, Felix Unger Sorum, guys that can play roles down the lineup and still be threatening players. You've got, you know, David Edstrom, you've got Theo Wahlberg. They've got size up front too. So there's a little mix of everything for this team. <coughs> Excuse me. And so with that, there's balance. And there's depth and there's, you know, guys that have had success internationally. Don't forget, this is a team that finished in fourth place last year in one of the craziest bronze medal games I've ever seen uh, between the U.S. and Sweden. I mean, Sweden was down and out. They come all the way back and then they lose in overtime. Um, just a just an insane game um, that, you know, actually was one of the games where I really thought, hey, Luke Hughes might be uh, a big time player because uh, he did score the game-tying goal in that one, and that was a, a phenomenal game. But 
you know, to have so many guys that felt the sting of last year where they lost to, to checks in, in a semifinal that was just an incredible hockey game. Great to be there for that. Um, you know, they, they've got a, they've got a, a bit of a chip on their shoulder with enough guys that experienced that heartbreak last year. And now they're on home ice. And you, you know, you look at the coach, Matias Havilid, he's got a really good feel for this group. He won a gold medal with them at the under 18s a couple of years ago. And, and the key guys from that group are here, Matias Havilid. And you have uh, a Hugo Havilid, the, the twin brothers that are just, you know, they're, they're going to be big time players. And then you've got, you know, Lekker Amaki and, Oslin Ogren, you know, those guys were there for that. They experienced that. Um, and that was also, interestingly enough, at that under-18 world championship, Leo Carlson was on that team. However, he got injured right at the beginning of the tournament. They had him, they, they didn't have him for much of that tournament. So they've already proven they can win without their best player. And I think this team's going to go in with confidence. And I think, you know, somebody uh somebody sent me, like I said, somebody sent me the betting odds, and I was saying, you know, the the value is all on Sweden right now. The thing is, with Sweden, what's the story of their World Junior? If you know anything about the World Junior Championship and anything about the non-Canadian and U.S. teams, one of the things that you probably know is that Sweden is kind of always the bridesmaid, never the bride. They are always in second. 11 silver medals at this event. They're, they have two gold medals. Two. And they haven't won since 2012. And that was... You know, Mika Zabanajad scoring in overtime against Russia, winning a gold medal for Sweden. Hadn't won since the 80s. It's time. And I think these players feel that. And I think that they're, they feel confident that they can do that. So Sweden, yes, they, they have often lost the big one at this tournament. Uh, more times than not, unfortunately for them. But this is a team that I think is a legitimate threat to win gold. And they should scare the heck out of everybody because they are good. They have talent. They have depth. They have balance. Um, and I think that's something that they can say that not even the U.S. can say, that Canada cannot say. They have a little bit more of a team that I feel is more put together. Um, doesn't mean they're going to win, but I really like Sweden. And I wanted to make that abundantly clear. All right. Plenty more World Junior talk to get to, but now I turn the show over to you, the listener, and I answer your questions. And there are many, um, and we will get to them. They recover all teams, all positions. Um, you know, we are going to get into it here. So we are going to start it off with Danny, and Danny just he's coming in hot. We don't even know the final rosters yet, but Danny's coming in hot, and he asks, "What is the early pick?" For tournament MVP. Danny, the tournament MVP. Well, here we are. We're sitting here 20 days out from the tournament. And so a lot's going to change, but let's let's offer some candidates for this. You know, I look at different teams and 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 who could potentially be the standout player. You know, I'm I'm looking at Macklin Celebrini, even though he's an underage player. If Canada is going to do damage, they need him to be a big time player for them. They just do. He's he's done it at Boston University this year. He did it at the under 18 Worlds last year. That's a guy that I think absolutely has a case. As I look, you know, I think USA is a, is a legitimate favorite for this thing. I look at Cutter Goche. Can he be the guy? He's played in the World Championship. He's played in the World Under 18s. He's played in the World Juniors. Um, you know, so he's been there at every level, and he is still yet to win gold. And I think that there's a huge motivation from those players in his birth year to win this thing. And I think Goche is playing at a level that could allow him to be a major impact player at this tournament. Lane Hudson, same thing with him. Will he produce at the level that he has? You know, I think that some of his defensive responsibilities are not going to allow him to dominate the game offensively as much as he did, because USA is not going to just need him to be producing offense. They need him to defend too. And, you know, Lane Hudson, not a big guy, but incredibly competitive and responsible defensively, despite the fact that his best attributes are his offensive skill. Um, but he's just this ultimate competitor. So you love to see that. You know, if we're talking Sweden as a potential um, a potential gold medal finalist here, I'm looking at Hugo Havilland in net. He's got to be super sharp. If he's going to be the starter, and I think he will be, but if he's going to be the starter, can he backstop Sweden to the gold medal? It might have to happen that way, even though they're as good as they are. 
I'm looking at Jonathan Lakaramaki, who's scoring at will this year in the SHL and having you know a real resurgent couple of months in his career. You go back to the playoffs last year, the qualification playoffs, and, and he was playing out of his mind, point-per-game player. He's continued that this year. Um, you know, you think about other guys and just being the host country, you're going to get some home cooking voting as well. And that helps because um, the MVP is voted on by the media, um, you know, and and I think that that's so, so you look at that. You look at Axel Sandin Pelica, who's going to play a ton. He played a ton of minutes last year, going to play even more this year, more responsible uh, for, for that. So I look at those teams and I say those are the guys that have the best opportunity. Then you kind of look at some of the other. Uh, the other countries, and you say, okay, well, if Slovakia is going to make any noise, noise is Dalibor Dvorsky going to have a lot to say about? It? Is Adam Guyon going to be the guy? You know, so there's a lot of players like that. If I'm going to narrow it down, and you know, if I think USA goes into this tournament as the favorite, you know, I, I still look at guys like Will Smith as well, who had one of the greatest under 18 World Championships in history. He was the MVP of that tournament last year. That's another option. So, you know, but I, I do think that, you know, this tournament can often be dominated by the older players. It, last year we saw Connor Bedard do it as an underager, but we, this can often be dominated by the older players. So I'll, I'll give my early pick. Early pick will go to Cutter Goche of Team USA. All right, next question. We get into the discussion about James Hagens and Cole Iserman and the decision to take one but not the other to this camp. And this one comes from User, uh, which I uh, – I think he's a very original name. A lot of people were confused as to why Hagens made the team, but Iserman didn't. Do you think Iserman is a better prospect than Hagens? Who do you think will be better in college next season? Who has more upside long-term? Good question, because, I mean, these are two players that play on the same team. Iserman draft eligible in 2024. Hagens draft eligible in 2025. Um, a few months apart. Iserman is the guy that, you know, right now he does lead in points. He leads um, the under-18 team in goals. He's got 25 goals already this season. Um, he's higher in points per game. couple things. I don't think these two guys were competing for the same roster spot. So that's one thing. Hagens is a center. Iserman is a wing. Um, Hagens is a guy that I think is more uh, of a play driver. Iserman is more of a finisher. Team USA had more needs at center than they did on the wing. They have a plenty of scoring wings. They don't have natural play driving centers in abundance, though they do have Will Smith, Frank Nazar, you know, whoever ends up being the fourth line center. You got guys like Oliver Moore, Danny Nelson, um, you know, Kerry Terrance, all guys that can play in that, in that role potentially for Team USA. So, you know, I think that the the decision was difficult, but I think that if you were asking me who is the better prospect between the two players, my answer is Hagens. Um, and Hagens doesn't have the point production right now, but as you watch him play, um, I just feel like he's a little more versatile. Uh, I feel like there's um, uh, a little bit more overall hockey sense there that I that I see. Um, I think his puck skills are a little more advanced, but this is not to say that. We're talking about two guys that could be top picks in, a, in an upcoming draft. Two guys that could be top, top guys. Um, and, you know, Iserman right now, anywhere I think he'd go from two to five in the draft coming up this year. Um, but I don't necessarily, like, I think Hagen's to me is the number one prospect for 2025. Um you know, I think we're seeing a lot of similarities to what he's doing with what was done previously by guys like Jack Hughes last year, Will Smith, um, you know, guys that were top top picks and, in, in, uh, you know, high picks in the NHL draft. And, you know, I think Hagens has the versatility to potentially, um, you know, be uh, a top six center for this team. He was awesome in their their summer evaluation camp. He's been good in the games that I've watched him this year. I just think that there's a lot there with James Hagens. And if if he's ready for this role and that's the key, I think he's going to have a lot of success. So I hate to pit those two against each other because they are friends. They are guys that play well with each other. They have built-in chemistry. Um, and I think they're bright pieces of USA Hockey's future. Um, so, uh, But also to answer your question about college next season, <clears throat> Excuse me. I think if if Cole Eiserman and, and Macklin Celebrini are paired together again, if Celebrini stays for another year at BU, 
Um, I don't think anybody's going to slow those guys down. Hagens will be at Boston College. I think that they're going to have a few guys here and there that aren't part of the team that are are there now, which will make it a little more difficult. Um, so I think, you know, potentially for instant impact, I'd probably look at Eiserman depending on a couple of things with how BU is constructed next year. Uh, and the same thing with Hagens. How does BCU look next year? That matters a lot, especially when you're a true freshman. Uh, but I think both are going to be phenomenal college players and guys that are going to make instant impacts for their collegiate teams. And two guys I think are going to have a lot of say in uh, uh, where things go for, for, for both their programs. All right, our next question comes from Maxime, and this is about Team USA's goaltending. Do you think Jacob Fowler can steal the number one goalie spot for Team USA? Augustine was the number one last year, but despite his 4-1-0 record, his numbers were not really impressive. Thanks. Well, Maxime, that is a good question because I think it's one that will not be answered immediately. Um, I think that there is a legitimate competition for the number one spot on this team. I think that the way that Jacob Fowler has played throughout the season at Boston College puts him in the mix very firmly to be the one, the the number one. Um, I think that there is the fact that, that that Augustine has a couple of things that are different from from Fowler. One is playing in this tournament last year. He's been on this stage. He understands. He played in one of the most loud buildings uh, against Canada. And yes, his numbers don't look good, but we have to remember that the last. Two games were games where I thought the team in front of him was weak um, and also that, you know, they were playing formidable teams like uh, Canada and Sweden. And so for a 17-year-old goalie to go into that environment and try and win, I think is really difficult. However, Augustine greatly redeemed himself at the Under-18 World Championship because just as Hugo Havilland stole the gold medal off of Team USA's neck, at the previous World Under-18s, Trey Augustine took it right off of Sweden the following year. Um, and he was the goalie in both of those games, and I think he, w- he was highly motivated. He had a tremendous performance, and that was really where I thought his draft stock skyrocketed was his gold medal game performance because he, once again on the biggest stage, played some of his best hockey. That is not going to be forgotten by Team USA staff. It's not going to be forgotten by anybody. but this is a team that will go with the best goalie. Whoever they think is the best goalie, they are going to go. And I think you can make a strong case that Jacob Fowler can supplant Trey Augustine. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, I think there's going to be a competition. I think both of them will play both exhibition games. They will potentially split games during the preliminary round. We may not know. We may not know who Team USA's number one goalie is uh, until the medal round. Uh, because that's when we've seen teams, you know, I think back to when Team USA was going between Tyler Parsons and Joseph Wall. And by the way, Jake Ottinger was like the third goalie on that team. And he's like a Vesna candidate, you know, like it's crazy. But Tyler Parsons, Joseph Wall, they alternated. Team USA decides eventually they're going to go with Parsons. And that's when they make the decision. It doesn't come until the medal round. So, they're both excellent goaltenders. I think it's a 1A, 1B situation no matter what. Um, USA is in a position of strength. I think those two guys are among the best goalies in this camp or in this tournament um, going in. And I think if you're Team USA, you have to feel real comfortable about the two guys you have between the pipes. All right. Our next one. Uh, so, yeah, great question, Maxime, and I think it's going to be fascinating to watch that. All right, let's go to our next question. And this one is uh, Blackhawks slash Team USA related from at NHL Tish. And uh, Tish asks, I've got a couple here related to Hawks prospects. Out of Frank Nazar and Oliver Moore, who is more likely to grab a spot in the top six of Team USA? Does Sam Renzel have a good shot of making the roster in your opinion? Um. So to answer question one, I don't think either of those players will be in Team USA's top six. Um, I think that the top six will include, um, you know, the the line from Boston College, Gabe Perot, Will Smith, and Ryan Leonard. And then the top line will likely be Cutter Gauthier, Jimmy Snuggerud, and then potentially James Higgins. It's possible Frank Nazar could be that, that center. It's not out of the question um, that he would be that. But I think that you might want to keep Nazar with Gavin Brindley and potentially Isaac Howard or Rucker McGroarty whoever is there. And I think that 
the other thing that Nazar gives you is a is a really solid. He's not a big guy, but he's very solid defensively. He takes good faceoffs, you know. So that's a guy that you could potentially have there um, in that role. So of those two, Nazar is the more likely. Uh, however, I think they're both more likely to pay, play in the bottom six. But I think that third line, you know, we don't look at it as top six, bottom six as much anymore. I think you're really, especially at the World Juniors, that top nine is critical. And then your fourth line is usually going to be the guys that you feel like can kill penalties. And that's what I think Oliver Moore can do. He can be a depth player. He can play a certain role. And that's what Team USA needs him to do. Um, and then next year, potentially, he'd be a number two center um, on the team. So that's the other thing that happens. As far as Sam Rinzel goes, um, you know, I've liked the way that he's played this year at Minnesota. I think that there's been ups and downs. There's been growing pains. And this has been the story of his career because he is a project. There are there are things that he needs to get better at. There are things that he still is working on. Um, but I like the player a lot. So Sam Renzel, a uh, really fascinating um, uh, player. I do think he's got a great chance to make Team USA. A couple reasons. Um, you know, the size factor is important. He's he's Team USA's biggest defenseman by a, a long shot. He's got good reach. Um, you know, he's improving defensively. Good skater. You know, can get pucks up ice. The question that I have about him, does he process the game quickly enough to handle the pace of the World Junior Championship? And that is a legitimate question that has to be answered and can be answered in camp. You'll know quickly if a guy is behind the pace in this camp. The players are too good. <clears throat> so I would say that Sam Renzel has a good chance of making it, but he is not a lock. I would say that he is a, a, a bubble you know, on the bubble to make it, he could kind of go either way. Um, right shot defenseman down that right side. You've got Ryan Chesley. You've got Seamus Casey. You've got Eric Polkamp. You've got Aaron Manettian, you know, and you've got Sam Renzel and, and he's got to beat out two of those guys for a regular role or potentially be the seventh defenseman. Um, but I, you know, I think he's got a chance. I, I thought he had a good start to his summer camp this year. A tough finish, but in the games that I've watched lately in Minnesota, I've liked what I've seen. I think I'm seeing progression and growth, and I'm seeing a player that's playing against top-tier talent and doing well. All right. Our next one is a little bit more of a focus on – oh, and I didn't link this one, so sorry to Amanda, my producer. I didn't put the link in here for this one. Uh, so I'm just going to read it to you, and we won't put it up on the screen. But this one is uh, from WJC Rankings. Uh, I've done a lot of work focusing on the players eligible. I think anything other than a Sweden-USA gold medal game would be a surprise to me. Do you agree? You know, I think both Sweden and USA have the potential to finish top of their group. And if they do finish in the top of the group, the soonest they could play each other would be the gold medal game. Um, and so I do think that they're the two best teams on paper coming in. Um, but nothing surprises me about the World Junior Championship. We have seen crazy things. I mean, Czechia won the silver last year, you know, and, and got in there. And it ended up being the way that the, the playoff round worked out. Sweden got Czechia in the semifinals. USA got Canada. And that's, you know, and, and then Czechia nearly beats Canada. They take them to overtime in the gold medal game. Nobody would have seen that coming. That's why we love this, this tournament. That's why we love this event. Um, but I do think Sweden and USA, to me, are the top two teams on paper. They have the best chance to finish top of their group and then could potentially play each other, um, you know, unless Sweden doesn't have a good preliminary round and they end up in second place. And then all of a sudden we're talking about potentially a USA, assuming USA finishes first in their group, which is the easier of the two groups, then they could potentially play in the semifinals, uh, which I think would be difficult for either of those teams. All right. Moving on, our next one uh, is another question about Sweden, who obviously uh, you guys can tell I have a, a lot of respect for here. Uh, and this one comes from frequent questioner Avco Cup. And Avco asks, Sweden looks like it has an embarrassment of riches on the back end. It does have a lot of righties, though. Who do you think they're likely to use on the offside in this case of there being no wrong answers? Sorry, is this a case of there being no wrong answers? Um. I don't think there are wrong answers. I do think that one of the players that's best equipped to play on his offhand side is Axel Sandin Pelika. I think he's got the versatility. Um, he's done it before. He has really tremendous hockey sense, and I think he's an ultra competitor, and, and he'll just 
play the role that he needs to, to play. Um, I think when you're a coach, you want to have a guy that you can trust. And I do think that he would um, have that. So uh, I would say Axel Sandin Pelica, probably the most likely to play on his offhand side. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I think it'll be fluid. Um, the, the, the Swedish defensemen in this age group are quite exceptional um, in a lot of different ways. So uh, Sandin Pelica could be uh, could be the guy there. Another Swedish defense question. This one comes from Katie, and she asks, does Anton Johansson see regular playing time? Anton Johansson. So Anton Johansson, of course, uh, uh, a a very um, interesting player. He had a really strong uh, summer camp this year, and I thought that was, to me, an indication that this was a player that had taken a step. Um, The the summer evaluation camp at – at um in in uh Plymouth, excuse me, geez, I can't apparently can't speak right now, um is is really competitive. And I think that, you know, with that, you see pretty quickly players that can handle it and players that can't. Um and in Anton Johansson's case, I thought he played with some physicality, he played offensively. Um, he made some plays overall. You know, this is not a guy that you're potentially going to be looking at on your roster as a scorer. Um, but I do think that he's going to be a player that's going to play a good amount of minutes. You know, he doesn't play a ton in the SHL, um, not like regularly at least. But I do think he's the kind of guy that that you know could play. You know, regular shift. This is going to be a very loaded decor. So, you know, I'm looking at guys like Matias Havlet, Axel Sandin Pelica, Elias Salomonson, Tom Lander. Those are guys that I feel more comfortable with of, of being, um, you know, tops, top four defensemen relative to Johansson. But if Johansson is a six or a five for your team, that's I think that shows the depth of your team. And so I do expect him to play fairly regularly. All right, our next question is another Swedish question. I love all of this. I love that you guys don't just come to me for the American questions. You want to talk about Swedes? I will talk about Swedes, and we are going to talk about one right now. This one comes from Deep Sea Hockey. Zeb Forsfjall seems like a mild surprise to make the talented Sweden World Juniors team. Thoughts on his inclusion as an 18-year-old? Potential for an active checking role, or are they bringing him along to learn for future years? Any other thoughts on him as a prospect? I really, really, really like Zeb Forsfjall. Uh, Forsfjall, I hope I'm saying that right, but uh, a guy that I like so much. But, you know, Seattle Kraken prospect, um, you know, kind of a, a late round guy. I thought, I, I think he's very popular among the Swedish decision makers because he has tremendous work ethic. He is not a big guy, but he plays hard. He gives them good shifts, and I do think you'll see him down their lineup. Um, I do think that you will probably see him, um, you know, playing a, a semi-regular shift, but not to the degree of some of the the top-tier scores that they have. Um, you want a guy that has the right attitude to be in that role. You want a guy that that understands that that you need him to do things more than scoring, and you want a guy that's going to give the work ethic that I've seen him bring at camps, at tournaments, at everything. Um, so I was not surprised to see him on the roster. Uh, I think that they have a lot of faith in the guys that were part of last year's World Under-18 team because they did vastly outplay USA in the game they ended up losing um, in the final. And guys like Fjordsfjall, who who was one of the top players in that tournament for Sweden with eight points, was a big part of that. And so you've seen him do it. And now you want to see it again. So it helps too. like, he'll play an elevated role next year, but this year to have him as a depth guy, I think it's really important for Sweden to continue to build um, teams that will have experience for the following, um, the following role following year. And, and that's one of the guys that I think uh, falls into that category. All right. Next question on, uh, comes from Neb, and Neb asks, who are the top goaltending prospects in the tournament? All right, well, there's actually quite a lot. Um, goaltending is going to be 
really interesting this tournament. You know, we we already talked about Canada. They've got you know undrafted players. There's their goaltending situation isn't as stable as I think some of the other countries is. USA has a one A one B. You know, with Trey Augustine and and Jacob Fowler, put them in the order that you want to. Two second round pick goaltenders, Adam Guyon, first draft goalie off of the board last year. Michael Harabel, also a goalie drafted in the second round last year by Arizona. Um, you've got Guyon playing for the Green Bay Gamblers in uh, the USHL, having a strong season, getting a lot of reps, getting you know tougher competition, and 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 we saw him last year at the World Junior Championship excel put Slovakia in a position to win games. He's a reason I think Slovakia could be a dark horse. I'm saving that for the next question that, that, that we end with, but spoiler. Um, I think that Guyon is, is, is the kind of goalie that when he's on his game, he can steal you a game. Um, he can be a little bit inconsistent at times. He can be a little wild at times, um, but that's a goalie that I think gives you a chance. Czechia. Uh, we'll have Michael Harabel, who I've, I I think has played very well for UMass this year. A couple of shutouts already in NCAA hockey. Um, big body, technically sound, makes a lot of you know good saves and easy saves, makes a lot of them look easy. Um, that's a good goaltending prospect right there. Um, you look at uh, the the options that they have for uh, for team for uh, excuse me for um, uh, a Sweden, and you know I think. Hugo Havilet is is not an NHL caliber prospect because he's a 5'10, 5'11 goalie. Those guys just don't get opportunities, but he is good enough to potentially steal some games. So you look at players like that, and yes, there are certainly goaltending prospects that can absolutely handle what's being thrown at them here. I think the goaltending will be really fascinating to watch. A lot of guys that went early in the draft last year, now we'll get a chance to see them up close and personal. All right, so we've talked about Sweden. We've talked about goalies. We've talked about Canada. We've talked about USA. Let's talk about the Czechs. I love it. We got a, a question about Czechia. I actually got two questions about it, but I'm going to put, combine it into one. I'm going to take Hawks 0035 and also this uh, another one from Dana4545 who asks questions a lot, and we get uh, get Dana on a lot, but I went with Hawks 0035 who asks, I would love to hear your thoughts on Czechia. I am very high on them and think they can dupl- and think they can duplicate the success they had in last year's tournament. What do you think? <coughs> Excuse me. Thanks for all your hard work. Well, thank you for the nice words. All right. So the Czechs are going to be interesting because there are a couple of things that we don't have a, a, a full handle on at this very moment. Uh, we don't have their roster for one. Um, we do not know for sure if Yuri Kulik will be released uh, by the Buffalo Sabres to participate in this tournament. Um, and if he is, that drastically changes the dynamic for this team because I think he could be an elite scorer in this tournament. I think he could be a guy that, that makes a huge difference and, and can can put them over the top. Um, you know, they won't have a couple of key guys that have aged out um, and that'd be David Juracek and David Spacek, who were, to me, outside of the goaltending that they got from Thomas Suhanek last year, I thought that they were the critical pieces of that team that 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 put Czechia on a path to be a goal away from the gold medal. One of the just most tremendous efforts. That team was fantastic. Juracek was out of his mind in that tournament. So good. Spacek played the best hockey I had seen him play to that point or since. Um, That was a team possessed. Duplicating that this year is going to be difficult. They've got goaltending, which helps. Um, You've got, you know, the the potential of Michael Harabal, if he is going to be your number one. You've got, you know, some some guys like like Kulik, like Edward Schala, um, you know, that, that can make make an impact for you. Um, I don't think that they will have that same team. The other thing is Adam Juracek, who's one of the young, good young players was injured recently. I think he'll be ready for the world juniors, but he was injured recently. Um, and so you want to have him in as well because he can make a difference. But um, the Czechs have some legit pieces here. They have a lot to like 
Um, but I don't think that they have enough. And I think not having David Juracek and David Spacek, who were such anchors for that team, playing massive, massive minutes, that's where I see the differences between the two teams. And 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 that's why I don't think they're going to have as much success as they did last year. However, are they a credible threat to get into the medal round? Absolutely. I think they are. I just don't think they have enough to win at all. Um, but that is a, a very fascinating team and one I really cannot wait to watch uh, as we go forward. All right. We're getting very close to the end here. In fact, this is the final question. Uh, and this one comes from Sam. Sleeper pick for a medal? Question mark. Uh, okay. So I kind of teased it before. I really like, at least as it's constructed in its current stage, uh, the Slovak roster. And we don't know if they will get Simone Nemec for this tournament. Odds are not. Um, I would love to see him in it. Um, but, you know, he did get a recent recall to the New Jersey Devils. And we'll have to see. But if they do happen to get Simone Nemec back, that gives them some really good defense. Maxime Sturback was awesome at the World Juniors last year. I thought that that was some of the best hockey he played all season. I've liked him at Michigan State this year. Uh, I think he could be a, a difference maker. But if you don't have Nemec, I feel like your depth on the blue line takes a significant hit. The other thing is Guyon. He he almost beat Canada. Just remember, Canada was on two occasions with an absolute wagon of a team last year, a goal away from losing both in the quarterfinals and in the gold medal game. One of their big, best games was against Team USA where they just flat out dominated, especially in the second half of that game. But they had fallen behind early, if you'll recall. This Slovakian team is going to have more draft picks than they're used to having, uh, for one. You know, they, they've got Adam Sikora from the New York Rangers. They've got Martin Mishiak, who was drafted by the, the Chicago Blackhawks last year and had a tremendous run in the, in the Clark Cup playoffs last year. They have Philip Mayshar, who's been a, a top-tier player for them. Uh, Samuel Hanzek, Dalibor Dvorsky, the Slovak team. Uh, USA is going to have to play this Slovak team in the preliminary round. USA has got Czechia and Slovakia both in their group, Switzerland and Norway also. So it's the weaker of the two groups. You're on the other side, you have Canada, Finland, and, and Sweden, and then Latvia and Germany. So USA is going to have their hands full. Don't forget, they lost to Adam Guyon and this Slovakia team last year. But you look at what they have up front. Alex Chernik, uh, Dalibor Dvorsky, Samuel Hanzek, Philip Mayshar, Martin Meshiak, Uri Pekarczyk, Servak Petrovsky, Adam Sikora, uh, Adam Zlinka. All of those guys are drafted. Um, and then you've also got some, some younger players that you know could potentially make an impact for the team. They've got size up front. They have decent size on the back end. And then they've got the goaltending. If, if Adam Guyon plays to his, his capabilities, this is a team that is going to threaten. They are going to threaten teams. And if you get them in the wrong time in the crossover, you're going to lose. And that is Canada almost experienced that last year. So this is a team that upset USA. And if they can get Simone Nemec back, all of a sudden we're saying, hey, this might be the fourth best team in this tournament, even above Finland, who we haven't talked about yet. They don't have their roster out yet. We'll talk about them next week. But do not sleep on Slovakia with all the talent they have. And don't forget that this age group has had success internationally at other events. One bronze at the under eight, or was, was a goal away from winning bronze at the under 18s last year. One um, uh, uh, silver at the Holika Gretzky Cup one year. So this is a team that if you are sleeping on them, you will suffer for that because they have talent. <clears throat> Excuse me. I had to get one more cough in, I guess, before the end of the, uh, the episode. All right. So lots of exciting things are happening. One thing I did want to let all of you guys know about now that our Q&A is over is we have a new member of our team on uh, uh, at Flow Hockey, Liz Child. Uh, follow her at L-I-Z-Z Child um, on Twitter. Uh, Liz is joining our team after a year with the, the San Jose Barracuda. Um, she also covered the WHL. She's going to be an associate content creator with us specifically for hockey. Um, so make sure you give her a follow. I believe she'll be on the show next week. Uh, we'll be coming to you live from Austin uh, next week in the uh, the Flow Studios as we get down uh, to home base for a little bit. And uh, Liz is 
uh, a great teammate already. She just started this week. Um, deeply passionate about hockey, tremendously knowledgeable about junior hockey, and she's going to be helping us really level up our content. I'm super excited. We've grown so much. That's thanks to you guys. Um, we're going to hopefully continue to grow. So you'll see Liz pop on the show every now and again. You'll see a lot more content on Flow Hockey as well. So get over to flowhockey.tv right away. Thanks to everybody that asked questions today. Huge thanks to Amanda for producing today. And thanks to all of you for tuning in and listening. It's been a lot of fun. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Leave us a kind rating and review. And we will keep this train rolling. Lots more World Junior Talk coming next week. And then we'll be off to Sweden for the big tournament. Hope you guys are enjoying the holiday season. Hope you're getting excited for World Juniors. Much more to come. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Talking Hockey Sense. I'm Chris Peters. We'll catch you next time.